What's up, everybody? On today's show, some injuries happening around the SEC at South Carolina, Arkansas, Texas A&M. We'll get you caught up on the latest going on around fall camps in the SEC. Also, the AP preseason poll is out. We'll run through the SEC teams that made the list. And in our final segment, we'll take a, a look at the LSU Tigers in 2023. Matt Moscona will tell us why they're his pick to win the SEC West. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC. Your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. All right, got plenty to jump into. Let's do it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the Around the conference. And we start over at South Carolina. As we told you guys yesterday, wide receiver Antoine Juice Wells working to get back on the field for the Gamecocks when they travel to Charlotte in a couple weeks to go open the season against North Carolina. Wells dealing with a lower body injury. Uh, Shane Beamer was updating his status on Saturday saying uh, he won't be back next week, but we're optimistic he'll be ready for game one. They said, knowing how Juice attacks things, he's got a little bit of a lower body injury, but nothing long-term, just some things he's got to get a hold of, but he assures me he's playing game one. Well, Monday afternoon, Juice Wells took to Twitter, tweeted out, stop asking me if I'm good, I'm great. So if you take that for what it is, Juice Wells expect uh, he should be good to go, hopefully, for week one. But uh, he will be absent from practice the next couple days. Uh, set out the scrimmage over the weekend, was not a participant during the uh, full team periods uh, the first several days of preseason camp. So keep an eye on Juice Wells, but if his tweet is at all a precursor, sounds like he will be ready to go for the start of the season. Uh, hand full of other players, including their tight end Trey Knox, did not suit up for that scrimmage over the weekend at South Carolina. All right, over at... Arkansas, an injury for them. Sophomore wide receiver Sam Mbake is going to miss the entire season with an undisclosed injury. Uh, an Arkansas rep confirmed the news to Pig Trail Nation yesterday. He didn't make a catch last year, but six foot three, 200 pounds, worked uh, with the first team unit during uh, stages of practice, was expected to see a bigger role this year. Sam Pittman talking with 24-7 Sports recently. Uh, said, heck yeah, Sam is going to be able to help us. Said he's a wonderful person, plays 90 miles per hour all the time. He has improved in every aspect of his game, speed, strength, awareness of what he's doing. Mbake will be on the field as much as anybody this year. I really like the kid. He's an awfully hard worker. Uh, he was a four-star prospect, the number 45 receiver in this class. And uh, unfortunately, Sam Mbake, you can go ahead and take him off your list of wide receiver weapons for K.J. Jefferson and the Arkansas offense this year. Uh, brutal news there. You'd never like to see guys go down with injuries, you know, especially th this early. It's one thing to get hurt in season. It's another to get hurt before you even start the season and be done for the year. Over at Texas A&M, they're dealing with uh, an injury of their own as a sophomore tight end Donovan Green sustained an ACL injury. He will miss 
the 2023 season. Six foot four, 245 pounds. Sustained the injury during the first scrimmage of preseason camp. He's coming off a freshman year where he had 22 catches for 233 yards and two touchdowns. Jimbo Fisher, optimistic about him, said uh, he thinks his time off the field will help in him becoming more mature. He said sometimes you got to sit back and practice like a coach, be by the coaches, and when you see things through the coach's eyes, it's like being your parents. He said you hate that for him, but unfortunately it's part of anything you can do, and hopefully he will benefit from being eyes and ears on the sideline. Uh, Fisher did go on to say they do have depth there at the tight end spot. He brought up uh, Max Wright, Jake Johnson, Theo Orstrom, Jaden Platt, all a bunch of guys that can contribute at that tight end spot for the Aggies. And uh, Jimbo's been known to use the tight end spot a lot throughout his career. So, uh, again, unfortunate news there for Donovan Green. He's a kid we'll need to keep an eye on for 2024. Over at LSU, Brian Kelly is apparently going to address the status of cornerback Denver Harris coming up on Wednesday, according to reports. Uh, Denver Harris was not at LSU practice on Monday and was not part of the official team picture either. Uh, not looking good for Denver, Denver Harris in his time at LSU. He started, of course, at AM, was part of that uh, big-time number one recruiting class that the Aggies signed, signed two years ago. Was a five-star recruit. Uh, was part of a group that was, you know, quote-unquote, kind of kicked off the team this offseason or asked to leave, or parted ways, whatever you want to put it. But it was a big um, get for LSU. Five-star talent to come in and contribute in their secondary. Uh, Denver Harris posted to Instagram yesterday, I pray for guidance and Savior God be with me through this journey. Uh, he was involved in a team fight at practice a week ago that Brian Kelly was not happy about. Um, so it could be... You know, a combination of things that, you know, maybe other things showing up late for practice. I don't know. We don't know the specifics, but uh, sounding and looking like Denver Harris will not be part of LSU's team going forward. And I saw uh, one Aggie on Twitter pointed out, you know, the significant losses at AM hitting the transfer portal that four of those guys that were part of that, you know, big time recruiting class have already been kicked off the teams they've transferred to. Chris Marshall. Remember him, wide receiver, transferred out of AM to Ole Miss. He didn't even make it through the spring. Got kicked off the team. Smoke Bowie, uh, released from Georgia, according to reports. And then uh, Ish Harris, kicked off at Houston. So uh, you put Denver Harris in that mix. That's four big names that were big signees for the Aggies that transferred this offseason and are already off the teams that they transferred to for various reasons. So you hate to see it. You wish those kids the best of luck. Over at Alabama, they are doing their best to bounce back after a quote-unquote down season last year. One of those leaders is going to be J.C. Latham. He was uh, one of the representatives at SEC Media Days for Alabama. He's six foot six. He's a junior that's bulked up to 360 pounds this offseason, and he's going to be one of those leaders on that offensive line with Tyler Steen and Emil Ekior gone. But on Monday, Latham speaking with the media, praising the Alabama staff for giving him a blueprint for his body. He said, I feel great, honestly. I know I've got great strength and conditioning coaches down here. I put on some muscle, uh, creatine, glutamine, making sure you're taking what you're supposed to take and also just understanding that when you show up in the weight room, you have to give your best effort and get it done. He said, uh, it's more just an expectation here. The older guys left, obviously, so young guys have to step up into their role. 
understanding that there's going to be guys who, whether they're five stars or not, are going to be coming in as freshmen looking to take somebody's job, looking to push people. So I uh, need to show those guys how we do it here. Meanwhile, over at Tennessee, Josh Heupel's crew getting a lot of hype and attention coming off an 11-win season. And the Vols announced on Monday that Neyland Stadium has already sold out tickets for four different games this season. UTSA, South Carolina, Texas A&M, and Georgia. Tennessee also announced that their three other home games, Vandy, Austin P, and UConn, have limited tickets remaining. So Neyland Stadium was back to being rocking last year, and it will be rocking once again. Tennessee will open their season away from Neyland. They'll be at Nissan Stadium in Nashville September 2nd for that early game against Virginia. Now, Peyton Manning, legendary Tennessee quarterback in his own right, he was asked this week about uh, Joe Milton. He said, I was very impressed with his accuracy when he was at the Manning Passing Academy. Certainly amongst a very impressive group of college quarterbacks, Joe's arm stands out. I was impressed with his accuracy, his footwork. I can tell he has been working on those things. Uh, he also said, I think he wants to be more than a guy that can just throw it far down the field. But we've got to be able to complete those intermediate throws, those touch passes over the middle. And I think Joe has really worked on that. I think that's going to show up for him this year for sure. Excited for him. Now, speaking of Manning, uh, Peyton, he was uh, announced on Monday, the University of Tennessee announced that he will be a professor of practice starting this fall in the College of Communication and Practice. So uh, he'll still be doing his double duty on uh, the Manning cast on Monday Night Football and all that, but he will also be helping out as a part of the teaching staff there at Tennessee. So very cool to see that for, uh, for him. Over at Georgia, Joel Klatt talking about uh, Georgia being the overwhelming favorite in the SEC. And on his uh, podcast, his show, The Joel Klatt Show, he was uh, posed the question, who can beat Georgia? And he broke down three teams in the SEC he thinks has a shot to beat the Georgia Bulldogs. He started with Alabama. He said, you got to start with the Tide. They're being doubted. That's a scary place to be. Doubting Nick Saban is not how you make money in this industry. Nick Saban's recruited as well as anybody. It's going to be a deep team that should be very good defensively. I think they're going to be a hungry team, and I like their culture. Another team he threw out there, LSU. He said, now we come to the team, I actually think this is a team that could actually beat Georgia. That's LSU. They have depth. They've gone through a season and transitioned to Brian Kelly. They were number two in the transfer portal. They have their quarterback back. They have wide receivers. I think LSU has some serious potential. I think they beat Florida State early, and then we see what this team is capable of developing in, into as the season goes along. And, of course, the other team he uh, he said was Tennessee. He said Tennessee gets half a nod, but they have a chance. Meanwhile, over at Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin and crew, uh, Ole Miss Athletic Department announcing their five inductees for the M Club Hall of Fame class, and it'll include uh, Todd Abernathy from basketball, Zach Cozart from baseball, uh, Rifles' Jennifer Lorenzen, and football's Fred Roberts and John Forcade. So congrats to all those folks. Meanwhile, OC Charlie Weiss Jr. talking with the media a couple days ago was asked about the quarterback battle, and he said Jackson Dart is, quote, so further ahead of where he was around this point last year. People may underestimate having a year already in the system, knowing the plays, being very comfortable, things that were operating, knowing the timing of footwork drops. I think he's grown confidence in his play. It's been really cool to see. So... I don't know if that means Jackson Dart's got the upper hand, but maybe we can read between the lines there. Over at Missouri, 
they made headlines yesterday getting the number one overall defensive lineman in the class of 2024, Williams Wannery. Announced Monday he will play his college football at Missouri. Physically gifted player, six foot five, 250 pounds uh, from the Missouri area just outside Kansas City. Chose the Tigers over Georgia and Oklahoma. He is the highest rated commit in modern history for Missouri. He's the number three overall prospect in the 24-7 sports composite rankings, the number one D-lineman, the number one player out of the state of Missouri, and that is doing work at Eli Drinkwitz. You get Luther Burden last year, you get Williams Watery in next year's class. That is stud uh, elite talent, so congrats to Missouri football. Reason to be excited to get that guy. Over at Florida, they add a four-star safety out of Louisiana, Wardell Mack, 5'11", 170 pounds. He uh, committed to Corey Raymond and crew. Of course, Corey Raymond used to be the DB's coach at LSU for years when they were building DBU. Now he's at Florida. And Wardell Mack, four-star safety from Louisiana, going to the Florida Gators. He is uh, the number 13 cornerback in the class of 2024, the number four recruit from the state of Louisiana. Florida currently has the number three recruiting class for 2024 in uh, according to 24-7 sports. Over to South Carolina, Alshon Jeffrey going to have his jersey retired. Uh, it was announced September 23rd during halftime of the game against Mississippi State. They will have a ceremony to retire his jersey. Now, they're not retiring his number, just his jersey, but he ranks third on the program's all-time list for reception, second receiving yards, tied for first and receiving touchdowns. He's just the sixth Gamecock all-time to have his jersey retired by the program. So congrats to Alshon. Very uh, tremendous honor there. All right, there you have it. That's the latest going on around the conference. Coming up next, we are going to touch on the AP poll that dropped yesterday, the preseason poll, and we'll run through some of the SEC schools in there. Thank you guys for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. I want to tell you guys about a new sponsor here on the show, and that is Nutrafol. You do not have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol is providing a whole-body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. I just got my sample in. I cannot wait to try it. Uh, look, if you think losing your hair is inevitable, you need to take control of your hair's future with Nutrafol science-backed hair growth supplement for men. Uh, 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime. It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of thinning with Nutrafol. They're the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Their hair growth supplements use physician-formulated natural science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. You go to Nutrafol.com slash men. You can go take their hair health wellness quiz. You can identify causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. Nutrafol, they support healthy hair growth from within by targeting root causes of thinning such as stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, metabolism through that whole body health. Again, go to Nutrafol.com slash men. If you're watching on YouTube, the uh, address is right there. Nutrafol, N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com slash men. Go check them out. You will not regret it. I roll along here, locked on SEC, and I do want to take a quick second before we jump back into the uh, AP 
rankings to uh, pay a little homage. I don't know if you guys saw this, but unfortunately yesterday, former Arkansas running back Alex Collins passed away. Uh, tragically, one of four SEC running backs all time to rush for 1,000 yards in three straight three straight years. Uh, incredible career he, they, he had there at Arkansas. And, man, it's uh, a lot of former SEC names that we either grew up watching or became, you know, uh, to know in recent years passing. This comes on the heels just a couple weeks ago after Ryan Mallett passed away, the uh, legendary Arkansas quarterback, and now one of their legendary running backs, Alex Collins, passes away. So just wanted to throw that in there. Uh, thoughts and prayers to his family and, of course, uh, uh, Razorback Nation. Just uh, rough news there. You never want to hear that about one of your former players. All right, let's uh, dive back into it, and let's take a look at the AP preseason poll, which dropped yesterday, and... Interesting. Uh, very similar to the coaches poll, which came out a week ago. But as we dive into it, of course, Georgia coming in number one, as they are in most polls. Michigan number two, Ohio State three, Alabama four. I think overwhelmingly that's pretty much the one, two, three, four in a lot of people's picks. Now, they differ from the coaches poll. I believe they had three and four swapped. Alabama was three. Ohio State was four. AP poll, they flip them. They put Ohio State 3, Alabama 4. LSU comes in at number 5, just like they did in the coaches poll. So LSU right up there, preseason top 5. Behind them, you got USC 6, Penn State 7, Florida State 8, Clemson 9, Washington 10. So no more SEC schools in the top 10. Three in the top 5, three in the top 10. Uh, Number 11, it's the Texas Longhorns, of course, future SEC foe. Big year for Steve Sarkeesian and team. And, of course, they've got that big week two showdown against Alabama in Tuscaloosa. But coming in at number 12, it's Josh Heupel's Tennessee Volunteers. Of course, uh, Joe Milton coming back after winning that bowl game over Clemson. We'll see what Tennessee looks like this year. And going on down the list, the only other SEC teams in the top 25. you got to go all the way down to number 22, Ole Miss. And number 23, Texas A&M. I should throw Oklahoma in there. They're also 20th, which I think is odd for the season that they had last year. Um, people giving them the benefit of the doubt. They think Brent Venables will turn this thing around. But Oklahoma 20, Ole Miss 22. This is about where they've been in a lot of polls. Um, you know, started the season so strong last year, stumbled down the stretch, uh, losing their bowl game in the Texas Bowl to Texas Tech. But... Uh, people give Elaine Kiffin the benefit of the doubt. You know he's going to have an offense. You know he's going to have a quarterback, whichever one wins the battle. And uh, Pete Golding there. We'll see how much he could change the defense. But Ole Miss coming at number 22. And Texas A&M number 23. Now, they've got them higher. The coaches poll had A&M sneaking in just at number 25. The AP poll has A&M up to 23. And again, much like Oklahoma, a very disappointing year last year record-wise. But giving Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies the benefit of the doubt. Now, I believe the last two seasons, the Aggies started preseason top 10. So this is certainly a fall for them, but still making it in the top 25. So, again, from the SEC, Georgia 1, Bama 4, LSU 5, Tennessee 12, Ole Miss 22, and Texas A&M 23. Now, Alabama coming at number 4 in the AP poll, that's the Tide's lowest starting point since 2009. Alabama fans will remember that year because... Alabama won its first national championship under Nick Saban that year. So, pretty interesting there on Alabama. Number four, their lowest starting point since 2009. Guys, it's 2023. 
that's saying something about what Nick Saban and Alabama have built there, where preseason they're coming in in their lowest ranking in over, what, 14 years? It's insane. But uh, And you're four. like You're complaining that you're four. Crazy. Uh, Clemson, their number nine ranking, that's their lowest since 2015. Tigers played in their first of four title games in five years during that season. And Kansas State, their number 16 ranking is the program's highest start since 2004. The Wildcats won the Big 12 in both prior seasons. So, kind of interesting as I look in there. Now, now, one little thing that they flipped up here, they have Iowa in as the number 25 team. Again, we talk about with the coaches poll. I'll reiterate it here with the AP poll. There's a few SEC teams that I think we can make cases for that could have been preseason top 25. I think uh, certainly South Carolina could qualify in that with bringing back Juice Wells, Spencer Radler and company. I think Kentucky could have made the case with Devin Leary coming in and all that. And I thought maybe even Arkansas, I could say borderline top 25 with KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders, one of the best rushers in the country back. So, again, uh, no harm, no foul, but we'll see how these rankings play out when we kick things off in just a couple weeks. And, uh, you know, we'll see number five LSU against number eight Florida State right out of the gates in week one. So, going to be a lot of fun when we kick things off here. We're getting ever so closer to the start of the college football season. All right, thank you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, our conversation with Matt Moscona. We will talk a little bit on LSU with him, why he thinks they're the pick in the SEC West. That's coming your way in just a sec. Always fun to catch up with our buddy Matt Moscona from 104.5 ESPN in Baton Rouge and uh, covering, of course, the LSU Tigers. Matt, what's going on, man? Hey, Gordo. Always good to see you, man. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the LSU Tigers. Obviously, uh, we're going to see what the media poll uh, is later this week, but it's it's fascinating. A lot of people are picking LSU, but I'm surprised how many people I've talked to this week that are still picking Alabama to win the West. And it's, look, everybody always says Saban gets the benefit of the doubt, but I say, why? Like, if our... If our eyes are telling us something different and we can see, clearly they don't know who their quarterback is. They have questions. You just lost Bryce Young and Will Anderson. Like, why are we just default? Like, why is the default just, oh, Bama's better than LSU? Because they've earned the right over 15 years. And I get every year is a different group, but the guy at the top hasn't changed. And every year, I always do this this feature on my show as we lead up to the season. It's just a, a fall preview in, a, in a, every school. And... I got to the point years ago with the Alabama, whoever I have on who covers Alabama, and I'll say, Alabama lost Bryce Young, fill in the blank. Does it really matter? Right. Yeah. And then Alabama lost X coach. Does it really matter? Right. And it's just that's the way I phrase every question. And you find yourself over and over going, no, it doesn't really matter because they've recruited better than anyone for longer than anyone. they got the greatest coach in the history of college football. Um, right, wrong, otherwise, when they – that jersey, that helmet runs on the field. There's an intimidation factor for most teams in the league. When they see Alabama on the schedule, teams don't feel like they can win. Maybe that's changed a little bit. Um, but the questions that you brought up, I think, are right. And I am picking LSU to win the West. And the way I phrased it is uh, I have not picked anyone other than Alabama to win the West since 2012. I picked LSU. Remember, LSU lost the national championship game in 11. Then they had everybody back. And 12 was supposed to be like this redemption tour. So I picked LSU to win the, win the West in 12. Didn't happen. Uh, and I've, I've just picked, I've defaulted to Alabama every year since. 
uh, literally every year since. Um, I'm picking LSU this year because for the first time I feel like Alabama – here's the way I'd say it. Alabama last year was a field goal at the gun on the road against Tennessee and a two-point conversion on, in overtime on the road against LSU away from being 12-0 and in the playoff. That's a fact. Yeah. They were also a Bryce Young-Houdini act against Texas – a Ole Miss pass into the end zone on the final play, and a and M pass into the end zone on the final play, away from being seven and five. Yep. Also, a fact. Yep. Uh, no Bryce Young. You replaced both coordinators, and you were that close to being a really a four or five loss team a year ago. I, I can't give you the benefit of the doubt. There's too many questions there against a tough schedule. So, no, I, I, I'm picking LSU to win the West this year. That that Alabama win, by the way. Did I tell you I was literally in the tunnel? about to go on the field at Minute Maid Park as the Astros are about to win the World Series, and I'm watching LSU-Alabama overtime <laughs> on my phone, literally staying next to uh, Buster Olney, uh, like all the big MLB guys, like, what the hell are you watching? Like, <laughs> like shut up, it's LSU-Alabama. So, Don't you know? Yeah, the timing of that wasn't the best, but uh, no, it was funny because then we told Bregman on the field, and he found out, wait, we beat Bama? Like, yeah. We just won the World Series, but, but wait, wait, LSU yeah. beat Bama, right? So it was, it was obviously a huge marquee win and a huge feather in the cap for Brian Kelly and year one um has he been everything that you i guess lsu fans have wanted and expected well yeah because really <laughs> you remember last year we we're here all anybody talked about was the way he said family and right. the, the dancing on with the recruit and the camera thing and it was he a fit that's like and the i mean chris the answer i gave everybody i mean you know this you're a louisiana guy but it's like you don't have to be able to spell Andui and Chifuncta to coach at LSU. Like, you got to win. I mean, Skip Berman's a Jewish guy from Miami, greatest coach ever. Right. You know, Dale Brown was from Minot, North Dakota. Nick Saban was the son of a coal miner in West Virginia who spent his whole career in the Midwest. Just win. So when Brian Kelly came in and stabilized everything after the end with Ed Ogeron was really tumultuous, built the roster wisely through the portal with a lot of Louisiana guys who had left, brought him back home. Um, really knew what he was looking for. And honestly, man, it was changing culture, not just on the roster, but when, when Brian Kelly came in, man, he replaced like 40-some-odd staff members, like all throughout football ops. I mean, he wanted like everything from the people who are creating the meals to the people who are keeping the facility clean and or- orderly, like everything, or answering the phones, like everything. He yeah. needed people in line. And so... He just showed he's a great leader, man. He's a great leader, great organizer, great football coach. Well, he's the winningest active coach in college football. So, yeah, man, as long as he wins, he'll, keep, he'll be everything LSU fans expect, which is to win. It's crazy. And, and it's funny that those were all the topics a year ago because you mentioned it, everywhere Brian Kelly's been, he's been a winner. Why are we suddenly like, oh, that guy's going to try to win in the SEC? Like, come on. Like, he's, he's done it everywhere he's, where he's been. Is it as simple to say that this season, I mean, it, look, the, the opening game against Florida State is big. But it doesn't make or break LSU season. It feels like the November 4th game at Alabama, it, that's the make or break. You win that one, you're in the driver's seat for the West like you were a year ago. Is it as simple to say that game is the game of the year? No. Well, sure, because of the the, um, the, comp- the conference implications. But, uh, no, I, I think Florida State is – I never like to say must win until it's, like, literal. Like, you no, know, you a must win means you have to win or, or – you can't achieve the goal you're trying to achieve. Right. But the Florida State game is as close to that without being that because if if our conversation about this LSU team, I don't know if you agree, but like it feels like people are having 
this conversation like, can LSU win a national championship this year? Yeah. That's, I think it's a fair conversation. We'll see. I don't know if they can or will, but they're at least in the conversation. So if you lose the opener to Florida State, you've left yourself no margin yeah, because there's never been a two-loss team make the playoff. So you lose to Florida State in the opener. You literally cannot lose again, which means you have to win at Bama. You have to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game and win all the other ones. I mean, remember, Nick Saban's won seven titles. Only two of those have been undefeated teams. Right. Five of his seven titles have been with teams that lost games. So um, that's, a, that's I got it so hard to win them all in the SEC. Yep. Like Joe Burrow is not coming back. It's, I mean, that was a you know that was just a an otherworldly singular experience with that 2019 team. So I think realistically, you have to look around and say, you know, if you need like. What if you go 11-1, and one, your loss is a close road loss to Bama? Could you still get in without playing in the SEC championship game? Yes. If you lose to Florida State, you have to win them all. Because right. then if you lose to Bama and you're a two-loss team not playing in the SEC championship game, then you're not getting in. Yeah. However, they were, still, they were in the conversation down the stretch of last season. We were, we were talking about a path for LSU to win out and make the playoffs. And they lost to A&M yeah. and they lost to Georgia. And so it was yeah. it was moot because it's hard <laughs> to do. That's like that's the you're right. I mean, could there be a path? Sure, but like it's hard to do. It's why nobody's done it. it yeah. since, I mean, 2014, we've had this this 14 playoff and in a decade of it, we've never seen a two-loss team get in. There's a reason. It's really hard. I'm going to pose this question to you. I've been posing this to people all week. If I gave you any quarterback in the SEC and I told you at the end of the year he will have a Joe Burrow-like season, like a meteoric rise, like put up monster numbers in the Heisman conversation. Who would it be? Can you give me any other comp than Joe Burrow? It's like, or what, like <laughs> but, but I understand but, what you're like, asking. He was good coming into 19. He blew up in 2019. But he had the literal greatest season ever. He's not going to. I'm, I'm saying, I, like, I get that. They're not going to do he that. He threw but for like, 60 touchdowns. <laughs> 60. <laughs> five, they threw for right. 5,000 yards and 60 touchdowns. So we should retire him that yes. just cannot do a comp You can never do a comp to him. <laughs> like, it, I, this isn't Homer LSU guy. It's, it's, <laughs> he threw for 60 touchdowns in the SEC, Chris. Yeah. Yep. I mean, God. So, no. So, ask it another way. Okay. Uh, if Do I, not say Joe Burrow. <laughs> Ask it another way. Okay, if I told you there's a, an SEC quarterback this year that we're not really talking about that is going to propel himself into the Heisman conversation and be a first-round pick in the NFL draft next year, who is it? Uh, Spencer Rattler. Wow, okay. Because I think he's got the ability. He finished really strong last year. The answer is probably Joe Milton, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, because I think if you're going to win a Heisman or be in that conversation, your team has to be in the national conversation. I think there's a chance really good chance that Tennessee could be undefeated or a one-loss team going into that November home date with Georgia. So, all right, I'll say, because realistically, Joe Milton's the answer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, and I think Jaden Daniels will have a great season. I think LSU will be in that conversation. I don't know if we are. Here's what's interesting. Um, If you go back to um, in the last, really to, to Cam, there's only three quarterbacks that failed to throw for 3,000 yards and win the Heisman, and it was Cam, Johnny Manziel, and Lamar Jackson. All three ran for over 1,000 yards yeah. in that season. So I don't know if we're expecting Jaden Daniels to throw for 3,500 yards this year. So I, I don't know that I would say that, but I think LSU will be good enough to where he'll be in the conversation, provided they keep winning. But Milton, I think, has the, the opportunity 
for a big boom in that offense with those receivers, with Josh Heupel calling plays, and probably a good team as well. There you have it. Matt Moscone is predicting Joe Milton will have a Joe Burrow-like season I this hate year. you so we'll much. The You're headline. the worst. Matt, always You're literally you, the worst. <laughs> All right, Gordo. I'll see you. Thanks. We'll all right, thanks again to Matt Moscona. Before we get out of here, did want to throw out to you the uh, ESPN All-America preseason picks for this year came out, and the SEC has 12 players on their ESPN list. Chris Lowe uh, talking about the preseason list uh, includes career production along with projection, so what you've done and what we expect you to do. So on the offense, four SEC players making that list, Quinchon Judkins from Ole Miss, Brock Bowers from Georgia, Offensive guard Tyler Booker from Alabama and Georgia center Cedric Van Pran. So uh, good names there. On defense, uh, six players making it there. Michael Williams from Georgia, Jamin Dumas-Johnson from Georgia, Malachi Starks from Georgia, Dallas Turner and Kool-Aid McKinstry from Alabama, and Harold Perkins Jr. from LSU. And then two specialists, Kai Kroger, the South Carolina punter, and return man from Mississippi State, uh, Tulu Griffin, making the list. So... Uh, good list there. I'm a little surprised, though. You know, they go with Quinshawn Judkins from Ole Miss. Rocket Sanders left off, you know, and, and then going with Tyler Booker over, you know, J.C. Latham could have been a name you put on here from Alabama. Just uh, a little surprised sometimes where, you know, guys that they go with, guys that get left off. Um, Malik Neighbors from LSU is a guy who could have made this list. Um, we've got a bunch of different dudes from across the SEC that could have been included on here but didn't make the list. Just wanted to pass those along from ESPN's list. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. Keep checking us out throughout this week. You don't want to miss it. Phil Steele's going to join us on our Wednesday show, so keep it locked right here on Locked On SEC. We'll preview the entire SEC with Phil Steele. You don't want to miss it. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked On SEC. You guys have a great day, everybody.